Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Recruiting Animal here on July 7th, uh, 2015. July 7th, 2015. Uh, this past week, a good friend of ours, I won't mention the name, wrote a blog posting about a big human resources conference called Shiram. And she said, can you imagine an association that actually, unlike Shiram, meets the needs of young recruiting professionals. At a meeting like that, she says, you wouldn't invite a celebrity speaker like Mika Brzezinski to lecture attendees on how to be a better version of themselves. That's for people who are middle-aged and they're not happy with who they've become, I guess. But here's what she says you'd do. You'd ask the attendees, all these young people, to stand up and speak without having to submit a proposal first, without having to have all kinds of you know, HR credentials behind their name before you even consider them. But you know what? These kinds of meetings already exist. They're called unconferences. Unconferences. I've been to a few, right? Anybody can stand up and speak. And I never noticed that the young People there stood up and told us anything exciting. They didn't get up and tell us anything new. I remember Jeff Webb, Jeff Webb telling me things that I didn't know at one of these conferences. But you know what? He's got two kids and a senior title, and I don't think he qualifies as a young person anymore. He organized the unconference, you know, and we've had a few young recruiters on this show. I like them very much, but you know what? I don't remember hearing any novel or cutting edge ideas that made me say, hey, I got to go out and get a lot more young people as guests. And in fact, whenever I schedule someone like that, oh, you know, Jerry starts groaning before the show even starts. Oh, she's only got two years experience. What are we going to learn from her? So, you know, there's one unconference I went to, and it started with a lecture from some guy uh, who worked for a big recruiting firm. He had a Ph.D. I think he was a professor. And he told us the history of social media from prehistoric times to the present. I guess, you know, that was supposed to be funny, you know, the pictures of the dinosaurs and the Flintstones. But you know what? It wasn't funny. It was boring. And when he finally got to the present, I thought he never would. He told us that young people are so much smarter than everybody else because if they want to know something, they don't do research on Google. They just put a question out to their social media followers, and in 10 minutes, they get the answer. So, you know, I know I was given a discount to come to that conference just to be a troublemaker. So from the audience, I shouted out, that isn't true! But you know what? He looked me right in the eye and didn't answer me. But I do know what I'm talking about because I run a Facebook group for recruiters, a Facebook group for recruiters, and lots of people put out questions that don't get answered in 10 minutes or ever or ever. Okay, but I'm going to tell you one question that is going to get answered, and it's Jerry Jerry. What show is this? The Recruiting Animal. Show! 
I didn't know if you were coming. I didn't know if you. I didn't know. You didn't know I was coming. Yeah, I mean, slap in the face. <laughs> so I didn't oh, have the music God. queued up. I had the I had the show queued really? up. Let's, How did let's the sound do it sound go? Again. I mean, can you hear me? I can't oh, do it yeah. again. Nope. Can't yeah. Oh, I, I didn't just, do it. Okay. You, okay. Hey. 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 What? Let's do it. Jerry, Jerry, what show is this? The recruiting animal. Here after after the show started already, that's when you show up. Okay. I was. Here's what I did. Okay, it's kind of out of the ordinary for me. Normally, I just get a nice big uh, glass of ice water. I decided that I would grab a cup of coffee. I only had one much earlier in the day, and so I had to fill up the thing on the Keurig. You know what I'm talking about? The light was flashing. Yeah. All I know is the show starts. You haven't even logged in. I was there. And I'm supposed to figure out that you're going to be here. Okay, let's just forget about that this week. We'll do it better in the future. Yeah. Okay. At least I got on. Okay. Anyway, live and learn. We got yeah. We got some great guys here this week. There's uh, Greg Durgarian. You know what? His this guy's name is Greg Durgarian. It's hard enough with this Durgarian business, but his parents had to give him. Two G's at the end of Greg. I can't figure that out, okay? <laughs> but he's here today, smart guy, and uh, our regular friend, Jimmy Durbin. Jim, are you here as well? Can you hear me? I'm on. on Skype, uh, though. Yeah, okay. Not as well as last time, okay? But we're going to sing. What if I but talk first, louder? Yeah, why don't you talk louder, okay? Good. But first, you know what? We're going to sing She Loves You. But, but first, Greg is going to sing as a solo, okay? I've been waiting sure. for this. No, I'm clearing yeah. my throat, animal. Yeah. Don't go for a coffee like Jerry once you're already here. Okay? So, go so, ahead. Does, your, does your audience like Italian or not? Just do it, okay? I don't care what they like. Lay it. Il vecchietto dove lo metto, dove lo metto, non si sa. Mi dispiace, ma non c'è posto, non c'è posto per carità. That's it? Oh, he goes to the same verse again. Do a little more. Okay, Jim, Jim, she loves you. Are you okay for that? Man, all I know is the chorus. Okay. Greg, you must I'm know she loves you. Oh, Greg, yeah. you, you know it? Of course, yeah. Let's do it. Okay, we'll go count to three, and then, then we'll do it. Okay, well, we'll first. one, two, three. You think you lost you your love. Well, I saw when her, I saw her yesterday. yesterday. It's you, you she's thinking, thinking of, of and she and told, told me what today. She said she loves you. Wow. And you know and that, you know can't, that be can't be bad. bad. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Jim. Yes, yeah. yes, she, yes loves she loves you. you. And you know, and you, know you, you should be glad. She loves you. Yeah, 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 yeah. She loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is this old song, Animal? Oh, right. Okay. 
I think I heard Glad. it in the documentary. Let's just finish it. Glad. Glad. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Greg or Gary, we got an odd show today. Greg uh, is not the uh, a recruiter, but he sells recruiting software from his company called TempWorks.com. TempWorks.com. I'm going to spell his Twitter name, okay? I don't know if anybody will catch it. It's at Greg Durgarian, at G-R-E-G-G-D-O-U-R-G-A-R-I-N. He's an ethnic, if you didn't get it, <laughs> or maybe his dad was. Okay, uh, and then he's also, you're, you fund you fund startup recruiters. Is that right, Greg? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, so we you do. do that well, staffing companies also, mostly, but yeah. Also, you you produce the Staffing Talk newsletter, staffing at Staffing Talk, right? Absolutely. Yep. Is there anything else that's required to introduce you? No, no, that's pretty good. I'm, I've been you know I've been working on some open source uh, software called Aida for the last couple of years, and that that can uh, that's a segue to what's talking about. Facebook and how I think it's changing how the advertising industry works and how I think it might work for recruiters, although all my experience in it is uh, advertising for the staffing industry. Okay, so you've got this software, AIDA. You want to promote it on Facebook. You've been exper- experimenting with Facebook advertising. You're going to tell us the ins and outs. Is that right? Pretty close, yeah. Okay, go ahead. And now I like it loud, like you just said, nice and loud. Go ahead, shoot, tell us. All right, sure. So, okay, backing up, I'm I'm actually running a a, a group of temporary services, and the they have a huge demand for for laborers. This is low end low end labor, not like uh, you know programmers or anything. And so the demand is out there for the for for lots of lots of workers. And in working with my clients, we've tried lots of things. We tried Google Ads. We tried uh, you know signs out in the street. You try Craigslist. And all of those things produce some amount of results, but I got turned on to by a uh, lead generation guy that I recruited off of uh, Elance, who actually was in Algeria of all places. And he uh, turned me on to Facebook advertising. And up to that time, you know, I I had a Facebook account, but I had never really been active on it. I didn't think you could advertise properly in it. But he got me set up on it, and I kind of ran with it from there. And so... What I, uh, you know, as I think we're seeing with your your recruiter group, Facebook is changing how people communicate. The social network wars are are over. Facebook won, and that's the place to be. That's the place to advertise. Okay, you're going to get to the point sooner or later, right? I'm letting you talk because I have a lot of respect for you. But sooner or later, you're going to say, these are the kind of people I was looking for, not in a vague way like you told us, and these are the people I was looking for, and this is what I did. Uh, on Facebook. I understand you tried Craigslist and some other things. So first you're going to tell us some kind of low-level laborers. That's who you're looking for on Facebook. Is that right? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. And what did you do first on Facebook? How did you go about with this ad business? Okay. Well, I let the let this lead generation guy set it up, and we had some modest success with it. We linked it to a, a lead generation service called Lead Pages, which captures basically is a, what they call an opt-in, uh, opt-in uh, marketing service, which makes it easy. So when you click on something, it, it makes it highly probable that the person's going to offer up their, 
their email address so you can follow up with them. But then can I, I ask a question. Further. Can yeah. I ask a question? Go ahead. How many how many people are you looking for during this particular uh, little initiative that you're talking about, Greg? Three people, or you need 500 from across the country? I'm trying to picture what you're trying to do here as you're good describing question. how you did it, Jerry. Yeah, no, yes. Good question. H- hundreds, hundreds of people in a variety of different cities. Okay. Uh, okay. Wow. Okay. So okay. you're just looking for people to sign up for potential low-level uh, labor temp jobs around the country. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we were after. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So, so what did you do? Because uh, so I still don't know. You've got so you've got you've got this page that you're sending people to. What's it called again? Uh, well, there's a, there are a variety of lead generation services. The one that I'm using is Lead Pages. Uh, it's it's a pretty hot hot uh, startup company that just got venture backed. It's actually based here in the Twin Cities, but uh, it just makes it highly likely that people will opt into whatever you're advertising. Okay, uh, so you're doing yes. some kind of ad. Don't make me. I, I don't make me pull it out of you. Okay, you're doing some kind of ad on Facebook that's sending people to these lead pages, and Facebook has targeted advertising. So somehow you're getting Facebook to target the kind of people you want. Why don't you tell us how that works? Or, you know, don't come on and when I ask you, say, oh, the other guy did it. No, you're here to tell me how it's done. I don't care who did it, him or you. you got to tell us. Mm. Go ahead. Well, the problem with, with that is the, the, things are evolving all the time. If I don't tell the story, you're not going to have the background. But uh, if you want to pass the chase on what I found really works, and, and that's a video, Facebook, the company, loves video, and they love it because people love video. And video is the way that all advertising is going. So, you know, after trying a few things, I found, you know, to, to get one applicant, it was costing us $1 per, per applicant at the beginning. But then we started uh, experimenting with video, and a simple video I took of uh, one of the recruiters, and put it up there on Facebook and started advertising that and then tweaking all the controls that Facebook has. And we were able to drive the price down to each video um, viewing to about a penny, which is almost nothing. And considering all the results we got from it, you know, it's just a vastly more effective way to advertise than, okay, so than all these other video, ways we tried. You've got a video of a recruiter talking about the job he or she is working on. Is that right? That's right. Okay. And is there a headline? Why would people look at that? Uh, because we're offering a job. What does it say? How do they know it's a job? Does it say anything? Yeah, so this team of staffing is hiring right now for jobs across the Twin Cities or across Austin, Texas, or across uh-huh. Florida. And then there's a button to watch the video. Button to watch the video, right. But, and Greg, where, video- do you, where do you post it? I mean, how are you finding the... You're not just putting it in your own news feed, are you? Facebook's uh, ability to go through demographics makes a huge impact because you can pick, you can sort people by their age, their race, their where they live, titles they have, the likes they have. You can sort by race. You can you can sort by anything you can yeah. imagine, and yeah. not only that, but you can also Seriously? upload your own. You can upload your own emails. So if you know a hundred people who can take the job, say you have a hundred that have taken it in the past, you can search for similar profiles. Or if you have 10,000 emails because you've got a big community, you can run that and it will only hit the people in those emails. So if 6,000 of those have Facebook ads, the only people who will see your ads are the, the 10,000 people at one point have hit your applicant tracking system. 
40-year-old database, and you're running an ad just to them. Or you can narrow it down to, hey, product manager living in this city. Man, that is heavy. And okay, but the, the thing, thing is, is Jim, it works great. <laughs> the problem is the people who are good at it, like Greg's talking about it, the, the model for that is 15% of the total spend. So normally when you're doing pay-per-click, you need big budgets to get good people to do it. It, it works fantastic. The challenge is, is that no one can make money on it. But if recruiters learn to do it themselves or companies do, it, it's a pretty powerful tool. It's just the people who are good at it can make money doing other things. But it's a fantastic tool. I know two people no, no, that I don't one understand. made How much does it cost, pay-per-click? He said it cost and I have a question to follow Anywhere up. from five bucks a day to you can run it up to five thousand, fifty thousand. It's paper. No, no, click. okay, but no, Greg. Greg said a minute ago. At first, it was costing him a dollar a person, and now it's costing a penny a person. Greg, can you explain how that happened? Well, yeah, and that's kind of the great. That, that was Jim talking there, right, about how how all that uh, audience selection stuff works, right? Yeah, that, that was fine yeah. because the the. It's not like I can give you a recipe and say, go do this, and you're going to repeat it. Because every time I go and do this, I don't get the same results. I keep on having to tweak it and trying different things. So I'll try three or four things and find one that really works well and uh, and, and milk it. So it's it's not something where there's just a recipe, go do this. Um, but what I found right now, what's really hot on Facebook is, and it's not just for the low-level workers, because we did it for carpenters, too. So we were recruiting uh, carpenters for, uh, managers, for a client. president. All yeah, and you can, yeah, you can target this stuff pretty closely, and um, it, the, the controls on it are pretty unwieldy. So I, I've messed with it a ton, and I just keep on learning new tricks on how to use it and keep on making mistakes and, and tweaking and reworking it. But you can target higher-level people, too. You don't have to go over to just low-end Has people. anybody oh, ever done it? Does. Have you? Has anybody ever yeah. done it? I've never – who? Oh, I, and I, well, you got to remember, I work with marketers who do this to sell you products. So it's yeah. relatively easy to learn. The problem is they, they work with $7 million or, or a million-dollar spins, seven-figure spins, to yeah. generate eight-figure revenues. Yeah. Recruiting just doesn't – to get good at it like Greg's talking about, you've got to play in it for a while, and it changes almost on a weekly, monthly basis. What does that mean? So he keeps saying it changes. What does that mean? What does that mean? He keeps saying – Greg keeps saying it changes every time I go there. Why? I don't Facebook understand. Facebook and SEO and Facebook ads are constantly altering things to stop people from doing fraud. Uh, how they plan their algorithm, um, the number of people that click is based on their own behaviors. It's a giant data set, so you have to get you have to get good at it. You know, in the old days, you just type something up on your blog, and it was front page all across the internet. Now it's far more complicated. It's the same thing for Facebook ads. Everybody wants a piece of it, so it gets more complex. It's basically only as good as your dumbest competitor. Well, okay, well the on. next question is, we're yeah, talking about spend okay. and individuals getting good at it. So uh, you guys are talking about a little bit, but can we dig a little deeper? Are you just talking, I think, animal reference, are you just talking a talking head, talking about your jobs, or how does that work? How would a typical ad look and sound? Oh, it's just it's real simple. It's come look at our page and apply. It's just an application on Facebook, no, no, let's ask, a way to let's, grab let's, an email address. Ask Greg. Greg's the video got the gets him to say, talk to me. I want to hear what he's doing. Greg, Still, was that Greg who hung up? No, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Yeah, so What's in the let, ad? Let just... What's the script? You're witty. I've got to say, Greg, is, Greg it may not be dead. He might not be demonstrating it now, but he's a witty guy, and he's a, he's a good presenter. Why aren't you in the, in the video, and what is the person saying? What's the script in the video now? 
Uh, the script in the video right now is an industrial recruiter talking about uh, lower end label jobs, and that, that if they come in and apply, we're going to get you, people can't out. Can't you tell me? Can't you? Can't, not so general. Be specific. Can you do the script? Do you know it a little? Can you say it? Well, I can speak of the carpenter one. That's that's easier. I just did the job description of the carpenter, and that's hey, say, what well, the what ad is. Hi guys, you say what? How does it start off? You say. Hi out there in Facebook land. I'm a, an industrial recruiter, and I'm looking for a carpenter with X, Y, Z skills who's worked on these kind of buildings. Is that what no, you no, do? No, 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 no. You're it. marketing it. You're marketing it. Or better it. yet, so do you have a link to any of this? Hey, are you a UX interactive guy who wants to learn how to use Xure and iRise? Apply here. It, it's, a, it's a job description. It's a job advertisement and a few characters with a video. It's not, and everyone's going to be focused on what you're trying to sell. The goal isn't isn't like a typical recruiting LinkedIn message. It's to get them to come to the page because once they've done that, you track them, you know their UID. Now you can get everything else you need to know about them. It, it's a it's a click. It's to get them to it's like getting them to walk into the door of a carpet store. Once they're hold in. Hold on a second. Why am I'm why do I have to keep begging Greg to give me a bit of his script? Can you tell me? Well, you just or a link the script. I, I, I think you're all link. you're all over. You you you, tell, you give the job description no, of, no, 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 of no, what no, you're. No, 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 yeah. no. Uh, uh, the last time I'll try. Can you tell me right. a bit of the script? Just rehearse it like you're telling me a poem. Can you remember any of it? No, no, I can't. Okay, okay, good, fine. Okay, I'm surprised. Okay. If I were recruiting JavaScript developers, I would say, yeah. "Hi, I'm Greg. I'm with TempWorks, and we're hiring JavaScript developers for a new uh, software we're developing. Uh, click here." To, to see, find out more. And then I would click the boost button that's on your Facebook timeline, and then I would select the audience that I wanted to target. Let's just say it was software developers in the Twin Cities, and I would boost it across, say, a week, and I'd advertise it for a week and probably spend, let's say, $50 a day trying to reach that audience. Okay, where is that boost I, button? Where is that? Don't use the boost button. It's bad. Well, where, where is it? <laughs> when you go to your page and auto, you can every one of those. When you go into your admin, if you go to your own page, you can boost your own stuff. It's down at the bottom by your share buttons. Yeah, you can't but see you're it, Jerry, because you're not a, you're not a you business wanna, page. You're a, an ordinary you wanna, person. Well, you'll well, hold see, on you a can second. Your own how, stuff how do you protect yourself? How do you protect since you're you're paying per click? How much is each click? And how do you protect yourself from losing tons of money on irrelevant uh, clicks? You don't. So you're you're working thirty percent of sales. It's a gamble one. like Vegas. Yeah, yeah, it is a gamble. How much are you are you putting yourself out there for? Well, you can. Well, do I, I have a Facebook today. app on my phone. You have a Facebook app on your phone. You're checking your advertising uh, um, logs all the time. I mean, if the if the cost started going up and I wasn't seeing the hits coming in, I'd say, well, I goofed up or something's wrong. And mm-hmm. oh, so you could campaign. ditch it. I mean, if all of a sudden you see you, you've it cost you it's cost you five hundred dollars already today, and, and you don't really have any value, you can cut it at, uh, on the spot. Yeah, you, you turn that off. It. You do it five bucks a day. I've got a two hundred and eighty-seven page PDF you can read that'll teach you how to do this. Yeah, oh, great. 300 pages, yeah. Okay. It's really easy. Well, all right, Animal, the, the key thing about this is it's so easy to do. I think that's where Facebook has made it uh, much easier to advertise. They are much more effective than, than Google and, and any of their competitors. And that is with this boost button, you just write your job description. Just talk. You talk well. And then uh, put, put your credit card on there and set it, set it up for advertising, and you boost it. You can limit it by day or all sorts of different controls. And, and in just seconds, you can set up a, a rather well, uh, um, well, a good ad, and and you can start measuring your results. So, Jim, didn't you, unlike didn't you, a lot of other advertising, it takes so long to set up. This can get set up instantly. 
Okay, didn't Jim just say the boost button's no good? You spend a lot of money on it. It's a brilliant thing by Facebook. The uh, if it's working, it's a short-term thing. Um, it's um, they're they're better and more the more sophisticated ways to break that spin down. But hey, if it's working, I'm not going to bust that. But I I don't like using the boost. But well, what do you use? Because I use boost, that's and that's where I'm getting my best results. Then you hey, congratulations to you. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> If okay. you use Power Editor, you could break that down into your audiences and, and do. Uh, it just takes a little more, though, when you actually begin dealing with Facebook UIDs. What but is the app to deal with? Power, you know. Power Adder? Power, Power Adder? Editor. Power there's Editor. A lot, is, there's a lot you can use for advertising for Facebook when you go to developers.facebook.com or the Facebook graph, the Facebook API. You can begin to dig into all the data that we're leaving on a regular basis. And then you can tag that into your credit card data. You can tag that into your ATS data. There's a lot you can do. It's a, you know, this is why they're, what is it, 44 billion in revenue? Okay, I, I just mean, want it's most of my most important questions. The same one Jerry asked: Is this best for uh, low-level people? So you've got a mass like right. Bill Borman. Bill Borman became famous for recruiting waiters and waitresses for the Hard Rock Cafe. That was his claim to fame for a long time. But we're not really looking for those kind of people. We're looking for product managers with very special experience. Are you going to is does Facebook give you the information you need to hit those people because they don't always yes. put their ti- they don't put their titles on Facebook. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. You just All right, Adam, here's, here's something you could do. Let's let's just say you had a skill set that Facebook wasn't capturing. You do have uh, a database, assume a people that you've been recruiting like that. You have their email addresses, and it's likely that those are the email addresses they're using for Facebook. So what we've set up on, on my software is basically an integration with the ATS and Facebook. So what we can do is say, okay, we're recruiting JavaScript developers. I have uh, a database of 1,000 JavaScript developers. I'm going to create that as uh, – use those, those email addresses as my target audience. And suddenly I can post this job description on Facebook and target that specific group of people or an extended group of people that look like those people according to Facebook. Mm-hmm. And so you can have this very targeted way of getting a message out that's much better than email because people just aren't returning emails anymore. But it's going to show up on their Facebook timeline and they're going to be much more likely to respond to it. And that, that works as well for low-end people as it does for your Super hard so to find chemists. How many times are these people that you don't really know going to be um, enthused to see a video from a recruiter on their news feed before they c- click the don't send this crap to me again button? Very few click that. What? Very few click it. Very few. I do. If it's, <laughs> not, if it's not being clicked, they, they don't all go day. Yeah, you're not trying to get hired either, in all fairness. Well, I mean, anyway, I'll take a screenshot of what my ad pages look like so you can get a sense of it. You can see just how in-depth it is. I'll post it up for you on, on, on Animal, with the Animal okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. thing. So yeah. Okay, it. hold on a sec, though. Thanks, Jim. You, you, Jim had some uh, – I want the URLs for those uh, services that you say add can add val- even greater value than, than Greg is getting from it right now. Jim. Yeah, it's called – you just go to Power Editor. You have to search Power Editor. You go into Facebook ads. Power Editor. Make it so – you know what? The sound's not so great here. Make it so people listening to the recording can make it out. 
PowerEditor.com. Sure. Right now on my Twitter feed. I don't want to post it on Twitter. I want it it's on the recording. Okay. Man, you're getting kind of edgy. I am edgy. I am edgy, and I have a right. I have a right to be edgy. Okay. I got an audience. Going to be people are going to be listening to this. What do you say? No, they're not. Huh? Okay. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, the argument the argument against Jerry about them clicking on their timeline saying don't show this stuff is much better than them clicking on your email and sending it saying sent uh it's junk mail. Send everything yeah. from this guy to, to to my junk where they'll never get you'll you'll never be able to get a, a personal message to them again. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Are we done? Anything else we should talk about, Greg, with regards to this? Oh, I'll talk about it all day long. Yeah, no, I'm right. Anything else that, that we missed that you think is important for a beginner to know? Where um, do they go? Think, where did that? Where yeah, do they go? If your daily spending limit low, go slow and make sure you're you're taking a good job on your creative, your ads themselves. The idea is to test them and see which ones work. If you're running a dollar a day or five dollars a day. So if you're going to run if you're going to run $100,000 a month, you would still spend only $10,000 over the first 2 months testing before you turn the fire hose on. So even here, 5 bucks a day to figure out how do I get the actual right mix. So when I do put on 50 or 100 or 300 bucks, I'm getting the right mix. It's a marketing okay. thing, guys. It's not a recruiting thing. It does drive a lot of names and numbers, but it's it's a great way to generate leads as Greg's talking about, but be careful with it. Okay, Greg. Last any last words about that, or should we move on to uh, Jimmy? Although he's been sharing oh, quite a bit know, here. The, the other tw- twist on it is that stuff that's new, Facebook advertising is pretty new. Most people don't know about. It. Those things are really inexpensive and exploitable. And so now I'm hearing that uh, both uh, um, Snapchat and a couple of WhatsApp and a few other services are now opening themselves up to similar programs and if you can get in early you can just get huge huge returns for a small amount of money if you, if you get in there early and work it right have, have you tried instagram to be big for that instagram for younger workers how do you, yeah, how do you recruit people on yeah. instagram how do you recruit people on instagram job ads job ads in their feeds you, oh, you pay them for it's, that or yeah it's just it's just it's the same thing as commercials on television they're staring uh-huh. at it all day, so they do it, and then a job ad pops up. They're on their phone. If they like it, they hit it. It's a mobile application. Has anyone ever done it? Have you yeah, tried they're it, doing it all over the place. Huge companies with real budgets is the problem. Okay. Can an ordinary recruiter? Do you got to pay can, an ordinary, can an ordinary recruiter do it? I don't know. I can do it. Okay, but, but you, you I rarely it. do. It's not okay. as good as me calling. Okay. Good. Okay. Anything else, Greg? No, we're good. Okay, so you, you're welcome to stay on. I'm going to start asking Jim some questions because he's going to transform. I never thought I would hear Jim say this. Jim's a, a smart guy. He's a, a, a level-headed person. He's not an airhead, and he says he's joined a company uh, with this guy, John Paller, P-A-L-L-E-R. It's a new recruiting firm based on the REMAX uh, real estate company model, and they are going to transform, his word, transform recruiting. Go ahead, Jimmy Durbin. Well, you know I'm a systems thinker, and so I look at the fact that our the industry, everyone complains about it. Supposedly our, our reputation sucks. We're all used cars, salespeople. I look at the fact that all the recruiters I know are quite good, 
And we have an enormous inefficiency, though, because I only work on a few jobs a year. Even Jerry is supposed to be the best in the world, only works on a few jobs a year. So who are all these tens of thousands of people screwing stuff up? The model we have for how we hire, the dirty secret is we have, not even a secret, is two to 500% turnover. So we have all these people that come into the industry and quickly burn out. We, we're only making 6 to 20% when we're working for big firms, and even the large ones are making 40% of our GP. So the idea is what if you took a, a giant group of independents, like a split board, put them together and slapped 200 recruiters in a market? You're paying them over 80% of their GP, and the question is how to get them to work together. Gee, you know, some people don't know what GP is. Why don't you tell us? Gross profit. How okay. much you actually make. For contractors, it's what you make after you've paid them and paid the government. For perm hire, it's the entire fee, but then you have to deduct business expenses. So if okay. you go work for a retained search firm, you make 40%, 45% of the fees you brought in. That's, that's what you're pulling down. If you're working for a large firm, uh, like a staffing firm, like K-Force, Tech Systems, Robert Half, you're making between 6 and 20% of the money that's brought in because there's, there's costs. And you can't get paid more for those because it's, there's a cost of putting all those together. So th- this part of the model isn't new. I mean, Craig Silverman did it with hireability. There's probably a dozen that are out there now that pay people. The idea of, of taking the cream of the crop and recruiting and putting together isn't new. Um, and split boards in general aren't a big deal. But these guys said, listen, what if we try to create a culture that's similar to what realtors do, where you're paid a good portion of your GP, you sit and you work together, but you do it by industry and put 200 folks in a market. What does that do to the way we recruit? And I, you know, the first time I heard it, I was like, well, that, that sounds a little crazy. But the more I dug into it, the more I looked at it, eventually I signed up because it makes sense. We've got, with that many recruiters in an area, what you do is you, you've corrected the imbalance we have of your recruiter and then your salesperson and then you're an owner. And the employer gives you a job. The salesperson's happy to get it because it's a personal relationship. They pass it on the recruiter who works real hard. And then 499 of the people you talk to in a week don't get a job. And those are the best recruiters we have. So what if you were able to do what the smaller niche firms do, where you talk to three, four, five hundred candidates in a market, you know all of them, you're that niche person, but instead of having to sell both sides, you have 200 recruiters slash salespeople out there that are scouring the market, and you're, you're actually able to push your candidates over to the right kinds of clients. It corrects the imbalance we have right now of have a here's a job, let me work on it, let's burn out a recruiter and move on to the okay, next one. Okay, so, so hold on. What if, what if one of these guys on your team, they're all independents, what if, can you call any of the same clients as them, or is it hands-off? Um, everybody owns their own business, so to some extent you can do your own. What's in the system, so they do the back end. That's a big part of it, is when, when you're doing contract, it's easy, because the company has the contract, and you own the uh, current manager for a period of time. So obviously the more recruiters and the more salespeople you put in the market, the more you'll run into that. So you do own some of your candidates in place. But if you're taking 80% of the GP, what happens is these people have formed little ecosystems where they're giving portions of their money away. So no, no you don't do that in your traditional recruiting world. You take what you can get because you're, you know the other person's going to run. You can snake deals because you can. When you're making three times what the other folks are making, it's um, you have an attitude of abundance rather than an attitude of scarcity. I don't know what you're talking about. I think about. that's what makes it. I don't know what you're, you're talking about. You. Sure you do. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, slow down. 
you got a bunch of people <laughs> in this association, right? You got a right. bunch of people, okay? Recruiters and uh, so, around. I don't know. So when when Joe Blow picks up an order, he he posts it on a, on a bulletin board, and and you go and check that bulletin board no, no, regularly. Like and normal burn. People, what happens is people form their own little cliques and teams. They call right. them pods or modules or teams or tiers, whatever they call them. But they they actually begin working together because they're able to share what they're doing as opposed to the salesperson's in charge. The recruiter does what the salesperson wants. And basically, it's just let's go talk to a bunch of candidates and try to get someone in front of the employer. So somebody, it's it a, the same thing. So somebody sells a sales group. job. Jim, Jim, is it a... Is it a newfangled splits group, but you're not allowed to say that because you're transforming the industry, so you got to... Not at all. Do you have some vagaries outside of the... It's a splits group? It's exactly like the splits group. In fact, that, but that was always the challenge. Splits groups fall apart if they're not small enough because we don't trust each other, and when we need money, you end up just going after it. You don't want to say, hey, I'll give you half of it, and then find out the other guy isn't working, even if they're good. You never know what someone else's financial aspects are. So the problem was always... We don't work well together in the industry. We just flat out don't unless someone's in charge. And some folks need a gun to their head to perform. So, as I said, the the splits board is not the new aspect of it. And even paying someone 80% of the GP isn't necessarily new. What's new is if you can put them together in a large enough group, and with the technology we have in the back end now, the way we can talk to each other, you you begin to show them how to recruit together by sticking in the office. It's kind of like... Is it kind of like bounty jobs, only with recruiters and no companies? They're permanent DNS. So their thing was to go to clients, function, send the work out. You know, they, well, they've been in a lot of different things. But it, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's not like those, although it's easy enough to call them. Sounds like, like animal. It sounds like it's just it's a splits group, but with the size that facilitates trust and intimacy with the reach and power of a much bigger group. Well, that's well, the model. The reality is that it's still made up of recruiters. So you have to find ways to bind them together. That, that's, that's the general overall model. There are a number of companies out there doing that. Um, and, you know, it's no, I, don't understand. I don't understand what you're talking about. So is there a policeman who makes sure that everybody gets paid? Is, is that what you're saying? Policemen who pay. I mean, it's, it's a firm that has your contract and your perm stuff, but it, there aren't managers in place. You work with who you want to work with. Our Anybody goal is else? To make is sure Alejandro we, or somebody got a question that, that I'm not asking? No, Where it's really evident. You're being. Correct. The question is, how I don't do know why you're confused. You're being obtuse, animal. That's yeah, what the I, I, I was going to use. It's a split group, but they don't have a bunch of chumps and snakes in there. It's a smaller that's group. That's what it sounds how, how like. They've got it a little chumps. bit more control. No, I'm sure we'll get chumps and snakes. I mean, that's the reality. That's the hard part. And even good people have scars from the industry. What do you, what do, you do when you, you're so used to having someone with snake or not work as hard? How do you form that trust? That really is not – but that's not the transformational part. The, the transformational part ultimately comes from a network effect. And – the overall push, the the, um, the CEO, John Powler, spent a lot of time with Dave Litigan. That's why we call it the Remax of Recruiting. Yeah. In fact, I think I make, I don't know if he calls it that. But when you look at how they built that up, the brand itself, the, what it really was is when you go to buy a house, you now know that realtors have both sides. It's expected. We go out and we say, you know what, we serve both the clients and the candidates. And that's, if we are honest to ourselves, we admit that it's a lie because we serve the clients because they pay us. Um, 
people who but serve candidates, bro. But your website, though. Realtors are regulated. That's the the controlling factor. We're not. All the time. And how are you going to have accountability otherwise? Well, what you have to do is you have to figure out uh, that's the transformational part of it. You have to say, we know how to hire, and you have to begin to push back on employers. I've I've been doing a lot of training. You guys know I do that. I've spent a lot of time with salespeople in the industry, and I'm telling you, they've just gotten lazy. They're so excited. We sell based on personal relationships rather than on the idea of a fillable rec. Maybe 15, 20 years ago, fillable rec was that everybody's teaching. Now, we spend so much time chasing it because the salesperson knows the manager. When you have, when you balance out the ability of the recruiter to only work with who they want to, you, you change that dynamic. The recruiter is now focusing on the right candidates, and the salespeople go out and find the jobs, and they begin to work together as opposed to salesperson hands a job to a recruiter. That's the real difference. That's where it begins to balance it out. Isn't that what every agency is trying to do, though? I mean, I mean I'm, I'm into it. I, I think it's a, great, it's a great thing. I don't think it's anything new. Work on the right job orders. Work with uh, customers that have a relationship. I mean, it's hardly revolutionary. But it's well, it's not revolutionary from there. But once you get a size, you, you know, what's one yeah. blog versus a thousand blogs? The Plus, question is, how do you scale these good boutique firms, which are doing very well? In the that's economy? cool. How do you scale? How long them? have you been with them? Four months. And what's been your experience so far, Derby? That it's still a great model, but it's all dependent on the people that you have in. I mean, my daily life hasn't changed that much. I'm still out there recruiting. I have contract work now I can chase that I couldn't before. And it's all about trying to build my team. So I begin to add folks that fit into digital marketing. They've got IT and they've got finance. It's only two offices right now. It's Dallas and Denver. And we'll put 200 people in each office before we move. And 200 recruiters? Yeah, 200 recruiters. Now, you say we'll put – I mean, are you on – are you – are no, you on the I'm, management team now with them? I'm just an independent contractor. Okay. I've invested in success. So you guys, I'm a, I'm a perm hire guy, I'm a direct hire guy. Gotcha. So giving even 20% away of my earnings is, why would I give that to anybody? What do they do for me? Yeah. Well, the truth is, we know what happens to us. I've seen enough people stroke out. They made a million dollars one year and 180 the next. We're not very good at maintaining stability of working together. So look, for the contract, it makes total sense because it's cheaper than fractal financing or you don't have the risk of running your own business like, like you do if you're going to buy and you try to sell your company off in a couple of years. Um, but from the perm side, it's can I get five? When I'm working on I see IT jobs or I run into firms or I run into clients that I shouldn't be working on, yeah. do I have people I can trust that can either hand the job off to or take 10% or 15% and I know that they're going to knock it out for me? That's mm-hmm. not easy for independents to do. If I have a bunch of really good candidates, can I turn to someone else and say, well, you go make these sales calls for me so I can still focus on these? That's something as an independent I haven't had. And if I go join a company, the cost of managing that, you know, tend to overwhelm you. So it's a... Okay, um, but how's, that, how's that, that, that network, again, different from the established splits, splits networks? You, you said there's some... Animal, you're missing it. This is revolutionizing our industry. <laughs> Well, that's what you're missing. You know what? That's the part that you're not getting, dude. Yeah, but Jerry, Jerry, here's my here's room, and you you do begin to have an impact on the local market. Just because the goal is how do we begin to teach people to hire better? 
And one of the things that I wanted to push for over time is how do we teach hiring managers to do a better job? How do we use that as part of our sales pitch? There are a lot of software companies that do that. It's not, it's not what we provide. It's, it's helping them understand how to hire faster and eliminate all those efficiencies. It's the same for candidates. You have to begin to train candidates to do a better job on interviews, but you, you have to be able to place them. You have to be an agent. If I spent all day telling people I interview, I make zero money. But if I can narrow my range down to 500 people in a market, I could spend all day with them if I have someone else who's calling. That's where you're going to make a difference. You change the way that people Hold on, I got a question. I missed that part. Go ahead. Go ahead, ahead, Jerry. Okay, well, here, I'll go ahead. No, go ahead. Look, you're saying that you guys at uh, Lakeshore, uh, lakeshore lakeshore.com or whatever it's called, you say that you Powered by lakeshore.com. Powered by by lakeshore.com. Okay, you say that's not the name of the company though. Powered by Lakeshore dot com is the website. Okay, so you say that part of your mission is to train your clients how to hire better. How's that working? How does how do you do that? So you you think about all the mistakes we have in the hiring process. Since I've been recruiting, I get called in to I'm doing it next month. I'm going to sit down and tell people how to avoid the basic mistakes. Don't get on speakerphone when to look at a resume, questions to ask, what, what happens when a candidate's in front of you. We assume that companies know how to do this. We assume our managers know how to do this. And if you're good as a recruiter, you make sure you've prepped both sides. You've talked to the manager before they're actually doing the interview. you talk talked to the candidate. you prep them. We don't tend to do as much for the client as we've done in the past. So I really think by pushing back to clients and saying, hey, listen, we know how to eliminate some of these inefficiencies. Don't just look at this as a place to give resumes. We're going to teach you how to hire better and faster. And, oh, by the way, we've got 40 people who have been prepped to do jobs like this because we've been placing these in the market. So imagine you're working on a product manager. You get one job. Jerry gets a job. He says, Jim, you and your recruiters go work on it. We talk to 50 people. Half of them are good. Three interview. One gets the job. Well, I've got 24 people that I could place somewhere, but I don't have 10 Jerry's to go out and sell product managers. We don't, we don't think like that as an industry. Wouldn't that make sense to do that? In fact, that's the well, small. Well, no, no, Are you saying that we question. don't think about synergy? And I'm saying you don't have the, you don't have a large enough network to do it because there are not enough salespeople doing it that way. Hmm. It doesn't work. Our but, but Jim, model, Jim, 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 you you said, are you using this as a selling point? Hey, Miss uh, Hiring Manager, I'm going to give you a class or spend a half an hour training you to interview the people I send you so you do it right. Is that what you're saying? No, no, you do it it through digital and marketing collateral and small bits. It's part of a sales pitch that you train your folks on. Hey, here's something I want to hear it. I don't understand what you're talking about. I I want to hear it. I don't want to give it to you. You'll start to see it in the marketplace. This is the stuff that makes it good. It's just so basic tips. Uh, if I got on the hey, call hey, say, Listen, hey, Millie, hey, Millie, it's a recruiting animal here. I want to work on your positions, but I don't just want to send you a bunch of resumes. You know what? The hiring managers we speak to don't always know the best way to handle an interview. We're going to teach you that before the interview. We're going to maybe train. Not, maybe not coach like that. Instead, you say, here's someone in the industry that you know and like. This is how they interview. No different than LinkedIn Publisher, Forbes, half the stuff. The stuff you and I used to write about, man. How do you do a better job? There's ways to put that on collateral that you walk in, and rather than saying, here's a mug with tech systems on it, you come up and say, hey, I got a tip for you. Are you putting out drip marketing from your email or your social? Or your salesperson just saying, hey, listen, this cool thing we've got. 
this is the tip we have. Do you run into this problem? It's discussing the problems in the I industry. I have a question for you. Do you always know how to interview your candidates better than a hiring manager in, mm. in that, that field? Yes. Yes. Mm. You don't? You don't? What do we do all day? That's the whole point. I may we not work be able with to buzzwords. Pick no, we work well, with buzzwords. Well, people how their interview went. <laughs> <laughs> but I know when they do something wrong, I know that the basic things they do wrong. And if we can clear a lot of that detritus out, you know, don't let the candidate say, from what little I know, don't have the manager pick and take someone on speakerphone. Don't run a senior executive into the back and do two hours of paperwork. Companies do a lot of that. And there's, there's ways to get to them and change the way they look at it. And instead of saying, hey, I'm just trying to sell, that becomes your brand. Our job is to change, transform the way that people hire. Can, and can I ask, way, Jim, do you have um, some historical data that shows companies before I've shared this with them have an interview to hire ratio of you know, seven to one? And then after my, my training, uh, they hire one out of three people. Or I mean, how do you show that what I, you're – I have that personally from my clients, but – I mean, everybody, yeah. it's just a matter of digging into their metrics. That's not hard to do at all. There's always something you can correct. And that's, Jim, that's have, you, have you passed over? Have you, in the four months you've been with them, have you had a, an easy time when you pick up a job you don't really want to work, passing it on to somebody else to work yeah. it for you? Yeah? Yeah, we're still in Dallas. We're just getting started. But already, yeah, I've already passed some jobs that, that are on. And most of my time I've spent doing full-time recruiting, you know, I switched off from the marketing stuff. I've been trying to do full-time recruiting for almost a full year now. So my big goal is to make as much as possible, but I still put that extra time in to figure out how do I train someone, bring them on to do my stuff. How, if I get a job, how do I make sure they do it correctly? So it's a little bit of investing in yourself. How, how do you get these groups to work together? That's the hard part because, pe- you know, we're all used to being – people don't believe you when you say you're going to make a difference. Okay, Jim, I've got got a question here. Okay, so I'm looking at, I'm on the Lakeshore side, and I'm looking at the Our Recruiters tab, and you've got, I guess, what, 40 40 recruiters there. Out of those people, are they all also doing their own sales, or is there one one salesperson? Are you you the sales guy getting the positions? I I don't understand. You're talking about getting someone else to work on your thing. Are some of these people like account management styles and the other – some of them are sourcers and recruiters? No, Denver, Denver has a much more robust model because that's where they've started. So Dallas is getting to that point where we're breaking up into teams. Here's your IT. Here's your finance. Here's your medical. Okay, we get one sales guy. How many recruiters do we need? We don't call them sales. It's advocates and agents. The, um, but uh, it, You're trying to build your team it's out. Like we're trying to add I mean, that's like Vente's and Grande's. How do you get them to work together? You know, oh. you get you get six. And what happens is people know the people they work with, and they uh-huh. form their own teams and they come on. Because it, it's not really two hundred people; it's small groups of four and five working together that are paid more. But it also focuses focuses you to focus. You're not chasing like I wouldn't chase an engineering wreck anymore. It, it, it's, I should never have done it. Yeah. But now I don't. I don't have that sting of oh man, I left it behind. Okay, so when you go get a job that you're not going to fill. And you turn it over to somebody that you've, you you trust here within the Lakeshore Group. Who gets paid the eighty percent, or do you split that? Is it forty forty? Um, I personally would have done it by creating a law, you know, a very structured way of doing it. What's happened in Denver is it actually changes. It. It's very fluid. 
sometimes it's 5, 15, 20, 30. I've got recs right now people are working on where they get two-thirds of the total, total fee. Because all, all so, I'm doing is okay, so the 80% is left up to the two parties involved to decide what they want to do with it. Right, your carbon. You can work it out yourself. But that's how it works. Let's say you want to do 50-50. That seems fair. But sometimes, you know, if all I did was make the introduction, maybe I'm five or ten or nothing, depending on how hard the job is. And if someone doesn't want to work with me, they'd say, okay, I don't want to do that. So you you begin to function together to ask, hey, who do I work with? If I pass this over to a recruiter and spend a lot of time with them, and all they're doing is pulling a resume and sending it over to me, you don't want to work with that person. Gotcha. So theoretically, theoretically, you could take Jerry's group on Facebook and organize them into a, a network, right. and yes. just you have a list, and and if you get a job, you could go through the list uh, uh, gradually, talking, interviewing people, getting to see their posts on the group, and saying, you know what, I like your postings. You want to work with me on on this job? That's essentially the same thing. Is that? Am I right about that? Yeah. I mean, you got to add technology back in and figure out how to get people to work together and the legal stuff. And but not, I mean, yeah, that's the whole point. How do you get people to like each other and work with each other? But how do you, you just said it. Technology is the enabler, term? right? So why limit yourself geographically? If you've got people who are good, you know, you got somebody in California who, do it who geographically wants geographically ultimately don't work together. That's the experience I think you would have found from hireability. It's the experience you find from other split groups. It's too easy not to connect. You just don't. Over time, you, you don't work. You give. You, what is a split sport? Many times you give a job that you don't want to work on. And But that that's the challenge. You, how do you get people to work together? You do it with geographical location, sticking them together. They don't have to come into the office, but they're able to get together. If they don't see each other and work together in some aspect, they're never going so to form a bond to do it. Face-to-face is the key? Is that what you're saying? That's a that's a big part of it. Not daily, but on a regular basis. If you're not getting together, because you, you don't. That's what recruiting. That's what recruiting is. You sit around. You're listening to what's going on. You're working on the same kinds of jobs. You're getting at the, the empowerment office. And then when you want to, you go home and you recruit. It okay. doesn't work to do that remotely. Hold on. Let me just ask this question. If Jerry, let's say he's let's say he's in the same town as you. Jerry gets a job. You work on it with him. You supply the candidate. Can you call his company? later on and pick up a job there? Or is it now out of bounds for you? Uh, I can call other managers in that company. But that's part of it, too. If somebody were fighting over that, you just address it like like adults. But you, you don't own a company. You own the manager. You own the manager. But if someone opens and signs the MSA, if they're the ones who generated the service agreement, they can say, listen, I, I get a 10% or 15% toll fee on all the jobs that come on, and then people decide if they want to work with it. So that's the aspect you're picking and choosing. You own the manager. So even if I have never worked with Jerry on any job, is because I'm part of the London group, I can't work with his managers. He just has to get one job order with that person, and now that's his. He owns that yeah, person. Is that right? basic rules, stuff like that. I mean, it's got to be a job that's been open, you've talked to. We don't want people calling the same person. And if we, if two people have a connect, you know, if they both have a connection, you figure out who's going to work on it. But what you find is if they say, okay, let's work on it together, it, yeah. that's the abundance aspect. Normally, you're like, I got to have this client because I got to get a certain number of jobs in and close them. When you have more jobs, you don't worry about it. I'll give you a perfect example. We had someone who was struggling. I had a decent fee that was coming in for a job. And I said, look, I'll give you $5,000. I'll give you a third of the fee just to work on it. 
which sounds insane. Even if you don't play, I'll give you half if you place it and a third if just to work on it, just to show them that I was willing to put something in front of them if they were willing to do the work. That's not something that you could, you could never do that in a regular firm. You'd be insane to do that in a regular firm. So it's a matter of sometimes you just have to be able to trust someone. Put your own time and money into it. So the revolutionary part then is that that the fee, the commissions, uh, decisions can be made amongst the recruiting, the people on the desk, more so than just the manager, office manager says, hey, you get half, you get half. It's not revolutionary. What it does is that the size of the network will transform individual cities, the way we recruit in individual cities. Right. And you'll see that that model begins to make a difference. It's no, it's, I'm ready. I don't want to say Uber, but it's no different than that. You get enough people. Look at the difference in Uber and Lyft. Uber works because there's more of them. If you can set an, an independent agent splits board in the city that has enough people and a good technology back in and they know how to work together and they've got a commitment to push the brand out there so they've heard of it before, you're, you're going to have that same kind of network effect. So then, so the brand is going to. So you're actually a recruit. You're you're a recruiter with Lakeshore. Then you're no longer your own company. I mean, I still use the brand Social Media Headhunter because it's still big and it matters for me. But I signed my contracts with Lakeshore. I've gone out and said I'm. Okay. You know, it's powered by Lakeshore's. That that's the whole point of that. You're your own firm, but you can decide if you're going to say you're with Lakeshore if you've got your own brand. Okay. In place. I got a question for you, Jim. Uh, yeah. Is it retained, retained or contingent, or does it depend on the person who picks up the... Uh... All over the place. All okay. over the place. It's whatever people work on. Okay. We got one question. Jerry, is there an after show? No, not today. I'm too busy. Okay. I, I also gotta... am revolutionizing the industry. Yeah, okay. I got a question then. Let's say, <laughs> Jim, since we've, we've, been talk, we've been talking about this <laughs> on Facebook today. Let's say... Uh, you pick up a search with a, a client on a contingent basis. Uh, with a company. A company, yeah. Sorry, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, this was originally raised on uh, in the comment section of your group about two months ago. Uh, what group uh, is that? RWAMP. <laughs> Recruiters who actually make placements. The only yeah. closed group for people who specifically make placements. The award-winning group. Award-winning, I gave winning, you an award. Yeah. Remember, you're award-winning. Okay, yeah. well, let's get to the question. So you got a, conti- a contingent relationship with this company. Uh, one of the famous recruiting trainers around, he okay. said that he doesn't consider any company that hasn't paid him a retained fee in advance. They're not a client. But somehow he's got a contingent search with them. I don't know what hmm. relationship he would define it as. So it must be now, theoretical. Yeah, okay, so let's say you get a new client on another search, and you know the the right people for this new client are inside that original company or whatever you're calling them, right? Okay, can you go into that company that you're doing the contingent search for and recruit their people? Because they're not really a client <laughs> until they pay you some money. What's your take on that, Jim? Do you understand the, the um, question? I, I think it's nonsense to say someone's – I don't know. I, the old days was no one's a client until they've signed – someone signed a check. I get that. That's a sales yeah. thing to say. Uh-huh. But I, I don't know that they're a client. It depends. If they never actually give you the job, I don't know. No, they give I, you the I job. I wouldn't do that. That's no, you're, you're recruiting that. for client A, and then you get client B, company B, company A. Yeah. And B says, hey, I need somebody, and you're thinking, hey – 
a bunch of them work over at Company A. You'd have to be a fool to do it. And I think anybody that that is so black and white is a complete chump and an idiot, and I welcome their demise. I have to agree with that. I wouldn't get it. You've got to be an idiot. And there are idiots in our industry. Work hard. Yeah. Yeah. I just heard about a guy the other day, uh, I believe also in, in one of the more popular recruiting groups, on Facebook, said uh-huh. that uh, he was so happy to hear his recruiter tell a company, well, if you're not a customer of ours, then I'm going to recruit everybody out of your company. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Way to go, 1979. Uh, okay. You Hold know. on. Hold on a second. Sand- Sandra, though, responded to this this uh, problem with a twist. She said, you know, she if she advertises and if somebody, if somebody from a, a client company responds to an ad, she didn't recruit them, and she'll she'll place them. Anybody got a comment on that? I think go ahead and do whatever you are prepared optics, to talk to your customer bad. about when they call you and ask you about it. Yeah, the optics look bad. You have no way to prove that you didn't recruit them, that they came to you. I mean, it, it does right, look, yeah. does look it, bad. To your customer, it's all the same thing. You stole somebody. Yeah. Regardless okay. of your shopping cart bumping into theirs and accidentally <laughs> – your business card fell out in the in the produce aisle. Who knows? I don't hey, care. Yeah, I met my wife. She yeah, was working for AB and I couldn't, couldn't recruit her. She asked me to find her a job and said I couldn't do it. Since I wasn't a recruiter, she agreed to date me. So I think that worked out there well for one go. of us. See? He, he's got a very nice wife. I met her many years ago. Okay, Jimmy, it's been nice. Yeah, to sorry no back. after show today, folks. I've, uh, you know, I'm busy. And, and, and I got to thank Greg as well. Between Greg and Jim, it got me kind of interested in Facebook advertising. It just doesn't seem like feasible to me for some reason. I don't know. It's above maybe it's above my head. Okay, but anyway, it's the best use of your time. That's the question, Animal. Even if it works, is it the best use of your time? Yeah. Okay. And with that piece of wisdom, thank you, Jimmy Durbin. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Oh, oh,